0: Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings vetline And now he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on earth. His Vikings pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rants with Randy and Declan on Purple Daily and Score North.
1: Realistic Randy Rance on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Usually every Monday on this YouTube channel due to the holidays and things shaking out. Vikings playing on Saturdays. We moved this to a Tuesday episode. Uh, but realistic Randy, we can't even get a Christmas miracle. Well, we got a Christmas miracle from Greg Joseph, but not a Christmas present of just, hey, I just yeah, I know what I want for Christmas, all right? Like I wanted this game, the Giants game, like I want this for Christmas. I just want to win. I want a convincing win, and no. We're going to have to work for this Christmas present, right? You're going to have to really bite tooth and nail, be extra good for 365 days a year to get the actual present you want, which for me, Randy, was my guy Greg Joseph drilling a 61-yard
0: oh, yeah. field goal.
1: 61-yard yep, field goal. I can't tell you, Randy. Huh. I, I haven't had in my young sports broadcasting career – a much more validating feeling've we've all we've all been there on, on some things, right? Like, oh, I, I knew this was going to happen, and I'm happy that it proves me right. I will confidently say Greg Joseph drilling the 61yard field goal, me and the Greg Joseph family being the only ones standing for him all season, and the fact that he is the one who drills it, and the fact that I was the one to say stay patient was a very selfishly a satisfying early Christmas present for me to see Greg Joseph walk off the New York Giants.
0: You've been waiting for this moment all season long. You stood tall in the face of adversity when people like myself said it's over, but he stepped up the last two games. In fact, the Vikings as a whole, I think you mentioned this earlier, as far as we're looking for that convincing win it's over, man. At this point, the, one of the greatest projects that Netflix ever put together was black mirror. Oh yeah. Black Mirror, Black mirror in case those that haven't seen it, it's a series to where When you think you know, you have no idea. Every episode is different. A whole new cast of characters. The plot is never the same. And right when you think, okay, I I have it figured out, at the end you're saying to yourself, wow, did not see that coming. That, in a sense, is the 2022 Minnesota Vikings. We are now 15 games in, 12-3. and Every game we're saying, man, this team is lucky. But at this point, 15 out of 17 games played, this is just who they are. Every reasonable measurement that you would typically use for any other NFL team in any other time, you can throw it out the window when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings. Nothing applies here. It's pure chaos. You have a receiver who's breaking a record every week he plays. You have a tight end who starts the game off with a drop and then finishes with over 100 yards and two touchdowns. You have a defense that prior to Saturday, Daniel Jones, Declan Goff, prior to Saturday, Daniel Jones completed or got an average of under 200 yards per game passing. Against Minnesota on Saturday, <laughs> 334. Yeah, A defense that's so bad, fifth worst in scoring, an offensive line that started the season off with a lot of promise but now is just as bad as it was in years prior. But I think the quarterback-receiver combo that you have now is enough to weather the storm that is everything that goes wrong with the Vikings. It's very, to a degree, dante culpepper and randy moss like and mm-hmm. when justin jefferson scored the touchdown to make it an eight-point game with just about three minutes left in the fourth quarter i said all right that's it yeah we're good pack it up and then saquon barkley he brought us back down to earth tying it 24 all and the fact that you had greg joseph at the end first off that quarterback receiver combo going back to that quickly That final drive, two big third down conversions, both going to Justin Jefferson. And my thing that I said last week is that what I'm looking for, win or lose, is that can you stay in this game? Don't get caught up in the emotional win that was last week, the Indianapolis Colts. You have to move on. Don't let the letdown game happen. And they did it. You went from the largest comeback in NFL history to winning this week off of a 61-yard walk-off field goal by Greg Joseph, your boy. Congratulations. This... Nothing makes sense when it comes to this team, and I'm here for it. I think this is going to be one of those things where when I'm old, when we're old, we have grandkids, they say, Grandpa, tell us about the 2022 Vikings. <laughs> I say, oh, listen here, let me tell you something right now. There so many wacky games. You had the catch on 4th and 18 against Buffalo. Came back from down thirty-three nothing at halftime. Sixty-one yard walk-off field goal. They're gonna say, "Mom, Dad, Grandpa's talking crazy again." They're not gonna believe it. It doesn't make any sense. But I am here for this season. This is the wackiest team I've ever seen in my life.
1: You know what? It's funny. You know, a lot of generations of Vikings fans associate certain seasons with with how that season played out. You know, ninety-eight being the prolific offense. Two thousand was a good was a decent year, but it was mostly forty-one donut that fans remember more. The 0-9-5 run, twenty seventeen, with with Case Keenum and, and them having the Minneapolis miracle. This season, we haven't had a a postseason failure yet, and we're hoping that that obviously as we as we go on, we'll have a a better chapter to write. But this season in itself, and yeah, there's still two games left. Is one of the most memorable of my lifetime. To your point, that there are you just pointed out the Bills game, the Giants game, the Colts game. There are so many moments here where we can be like. Oh, you have no idea. Even though this wasn't a playoff game, this is one of the craziest games I've ever witnessed. And it wasn't it wasn't a high leverage game necessarily. It was just in the regular season and they ended up winning in the wackiest fashions. Uh, th- that is kind of interesting because everyone has their memories of certain years and we don't know how this one's going to play out yet. Cause we haven't got to the postseason, but it already has shaped up as, as to be legitimately. And I just turned 30 years old. One of the most memorable seasons of my lifetime already.
0: It's only lucky if it happens in spurts a couple of moments, but if it routinely happens game after game after game, this is just who they are. I've never seen anything like this before, not just with the Vikings, but any team for that matter. Maybe, maybe the old 9 Saints where they had a terrible defense as well, but they, forced a lot of turnovers and they definitely got lucky in the playoffs the nfc championship game where the refs just cheated not only did the saints cheat the refs (laughs) they sat there and mind you this is brett Favre, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time this is what a year or two after tom brady tore his acl so after that there was an emphasis on okay roughing the passer anything we see you could tap tom brady on the shoulder say hey man good job and that's roughing the passer that whole game nothing I've never seen anything like this ever. So this is, this is a season of destiny. I'm tired of sitting back and saying, okay, this is what we can reasonably expect because what we can expect up to this point now and moving forward, the rest of this year is the unexpected. I don't know what every game, there's something new to where you say, wow, that's crazy. Did not see that happening. And we went from Greg Joseph. Do I, do I owe Greg Joseph an apology? No, I do not. The man had what five missed extra point attempts in the league at one point. It, he has both things can be true to where he was a disaster and he has improved to where now maybe he's becoming reliable when you need him the most. So good for him.
1: All right. Let's get back into this giants game here quickly. Uh, obviously the, a big game for Justin Jefferson and a huge game for TJ Hawkinson. Uh, both these guys had a combined 32 targets between the two ended up hauling 25 catches for well over 200 plus yards uh, it is clear that TJ Hawkinson has kind of emerged here as the second weapon before we get to Justin Jefferson and his dominance. I mean, Quasi Adolfa Mensah, this first draft might be a little murky to start here. But as I've kind of said, I think it, kind of, it makes up for it to a degree with the acquisition of Hawkinson midseason because it's not even a debate right now that TJ Hawkinson is the second best weapon in this offense and it's not close.
0: That's what I've been waiting for this whole time ever since we traded from him from Detroit or traded for him from Detroit, I was saying, man, this is going to be the de facto number two option and it's not even going to be close. And it's been okay. Get 60 yards, 70 yards here, maybe a touchdown every game or two, but you know what? To have over a hundred yards and two touchdowns and that catch he made the second score that he had where he mossed two giants yeah. defenders to get into the end zone. It was one of, that game back and forth, but that specific play, It took me everything not to shout because I was recording in a hotel room at the time for the after game reaction. It took everything for me not to shout and say, oh my God, are you kidding me? But if he continues on that trajectory to where, you know what? Yes, everyone's going to be keyed up on Jefferson. But then after a while, you forget, oh, that's right. They also have TJ Hawkinson as well, who is an intermediate threat. You still have Adam Thielen for cleanup. and Whatever you get from KJ Osborne, that's fine. But that's the version of TJ Hawkinson that I've been waiting for. And I hope we see it the rest of this regular season and into the playoffs. As far as Justin Jefferson, you have something to say about him?
1: Oh, no, I was going to say about about Hawkinson that just his emergence and, and what he's able to provide to this Vikings offense is huge. Like, is he on the Travis Kelsey tier of, of like an elite tight end? Maybe not because Travis Kelsey's no, yeah. just that damn good. But is he in that that number one guys of second tier tight ends? Absolutely. Like I, he's a, he's a top five tight end. He's probably the fifth or fourth best tight end in the NFL right now. Um, and you got him under team control at least for another season. You can possibly even lock him up to to a long term extension after the fifth year option kicks in. I just love what he's able to bring, man. Because look, Adam Thielen is still a good red zone guy, but he's lost a step. K.J. Osborne, we, we still don't know if, if, if there is an emergence there or if he is just a wide receiver three. It is clear that T.J. Hawkinson, though, is the second best weapon in this offense.
0: Absolutely, and the man is still young. Like you said, he has, the Vikings, they have team control at least through next season. We'll see what happens after that, but he's 25 years old right now. So if you combine that with Justin Jefferson, two guys that are in their youth who may not have necessarily tapped into their prime yet, which with Justin Jefferson, that's ridiculous to think about. But that's a building block for the future to where you can say, okay, even if Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook, if they eventually move on, we can still add other pieces. But that is a solid ass foundation for this team moving forward. But I I just want to see consistency from him because that first drop he had to start the game, I said, oh, boy, here we go. Come on, man. You got to you got to live up to all the hype that you've been getting. But to finish with over one hundred and two TDs, if he can continue, be more consistent then look out.
1: Yeah, Justin Jefferson too, with a humongous day. Twelve catches, one hundred and thirty-three yards, a touchdown. This is where I—he I, obviously had a big presence. He had a, he had a huge presence yesterday, and he's had a huge presence all season. He broke Randy Moss's single-season record already. He's on track to potentially break the NFL record for receiving yards. I want to ask you something about that later on in the podcast. Okay. Um, but still, longest reception, twenty-five yards. Yes, he has a he has a clutch touchdown. But just even twelve catches, a buck thirty-three, and it just. All, it it sometimes like flies under my head that, oh my god, he had 12 catches, 133 yards, just because they feed him. They feed him all the time. He finds his way to get open. He finds ways to make big plays, just like he did to set up the field goal. His just presence on the field is so damn good, and it is one of the best Vikings players we have honestly have ever seen in a long time, and he obviously breaks Randy Moss's record, but just watching him play football week in and week out, it's incredible what the guy does.
0: It's almost, dare I say, I know it's apples to oranges, but it's almost, dare I say, like a running back. He's not going off for 50, 60-yard catches like Tyreek Hill is every seems like every week. It's depth by 5,000 paper cuts to where he's getting 15 yards. He's getting 20 yards here. And it just adds up to where you don't see that monstrous catch each game to where you say, oh, he really ended up with 12 for 133 and a score. I hmm, don't remember that happening. But the thing is, with two games remaining, already the franchise single-season record holder for receptions and yardage. Current league leader in receiving yards by over 100 at 1756, also in receptions by a 10-count lead. The rate he's going, 2K, is still very much possible. Needs to average 105 the last two games to break Calvin Johnson's record. And I think he's going to do it. And here's what I'm going to say. When we talk about or think about most valuable player, this should be a three man race. Okay. This should be Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Justin Jefferson. And it's fun to talk about and speculate, but we know good and well he's never going to get it. A wide receiver. Cooper Cup didn't get it last year. We know Justin Jefferson isn't going to get it this year. But the Vikings, they are 12 and 3, primarily because of 18. He's not, he needs to get at least a third of the vote, I would say, between those three. But my goodness. I just love how the MVP award is now just a quarterback's honor. Yeah. Hey, MVP, that's for quarterbacks. The rest of you peasants, the other (laughs) skill positions, you can fight over Offensive Player of the Year, which he will win that at least. But I just feel like the dominance that he has right now, the fact that every game – I feel like this is, what, the fourth or fifth game we've said on this show to where – Man, over 100-plus yards, and you don't really remember it because that one catch wasn't there. It was just a combination of so many plays that he made over the course of a four-quarter game. 117 yards per game. League leader, check this out. He's the league leader in third-down catches, resulting in first downs. Buffalo, they don't win that game without the catch. He should be in the conversation for MVP, the dominance that he has. And he's in his third year? Are you kidding me? The sky is the limit for this guy. He's really only going to get better. That's crazy.
1: And look, Kirk Cousins deserves a ton of credit for game-winning drives this season. Um, His stats have fallen off from the Kirk degree, but there's been a new gear to him where we kind of say, okay, we can take some of the bad statistics if it means he's clutch in the end. And just to prove how much Kirk even goes to Justin Jefferson, I saw this note uh, floating around Twitter that Justin Jefferson has 168 receiving yards on the eight game-winning drives that Kirk has delivered this season. The rest of the Vikings team has 195. So again, eight catches for Jefferson, 168 yards during those eight game-winning drives that Kirk has orchestrated. The rest of the team, 195 yards. So this isn't even like, I would say this, Kirk might have a better case for MVP if they were taking away Jefferson and he was still able to orchestrate some game-winning drives, finding a KJ Osborne and finding other guys open. Justin Jefferson is just so damn good that no one can really cover him. I mean, it might get to a point. Remember when Megatron had the monster year and even at his peak, they were legitimately bracket two guys. They would just put two guys next to Megatron and dare Matthew Stafford to throw to whoever hell he wanted to. It's going to have to probably come to that point. It's going to come to the same point that when uh, the Vikings drafted Randy Moss, that the very next draft, you had the Packers and Bears and Lions loading up on DBs, right? Because, well, we just got to stop this guy and he's, he's killing us. Um, I think I agree with you that Justin Jefferson deserves more of the MVP share. And look, the Kirk stands will shout that. How how are you moving the goalposts here? No, this is a great weapon for Kirk. He's feeding him, and Kevin O'Connell also deserves a lot of credit. It's like this three headed monster basically that has been happening here with KOC, Kirk Cousins, and Justin Jefferson, where Kirk has been basically infiltrated by KOC to say, "Trust your best playmaker. Don't have to check it down to Conklin. You don't have to just do the out route to CJ Ham. Force a tight ball." and let your dude make the biggest play possible, which we have seen against the Bills. We saw it uh, for for a big touchdown, obviously last week against the Giants. It's a three-headed monster, but on that monster of the pie chart, if you will, to your point, Jefferson does deserve the biggest amount of credit there.
0: Yes, and I understand if we want to say, well, Kurt deserves to be in the conversation for MVP as well. Sure, we can go ahead and make that argument. However, Justin Jefferson is the lead guy. But it's interesting, though, speaking on Kurt Cousins, I think if you're in sports content creation and you cover an entire league, I think it's very difficult to be aware of fine-tooth combing every single team to know the intricacies with each organization. So I see it all the time on ESPN or elsewhere to where, okay, they break down each game, they may forget about a player or two, or they may overvalue or underestimate another player on that particular team. So it's really hard to keep up with all 32 teams in the league. I think the opposite can be true as far as if we're focused on one team, as we are the Minnesota Vikings. I think it can also be true that sometimes we may not understand or be unaware of the impact a player may have around the rest of the league. So Kirk Cousins, for example, do you know the only quarterback better than Kirk Cousins in the NFC Jalen Hurts, who happens to be an MVP candidate? It doesn't just stop there league wide. I've talked about Kirk Cousins. This is a top 10 quarterback. I've said that for a couple of years. Top 10, but closer towards the 10 mark, towards the end. Yeah, This year, he's top five. I think he's the fifth best quarterback in the mm-hmm. NFL. The four quarterbacks I, ha- I have ahead of him, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen. Kirk Cousins comes in fifth. Also, something else that sticks out. In the fourth quarter this year, Kirk Cousins, first in passing yards, Second and first downs, first and touchdowns. He's delivering when his team needs him the most, Justin Jefferson or not. And you know what? He's not the MVP of this team. It's Justin Jefferson, but he's doing a damn good job. And that is the going back to the Black Mirror comparison. Yeah. It's so crazy. He's having probably a better year as far as impact for this team than last year when I thought he had a better statistical season last year. It is absolutely insane to go from top 10 to now top 5. Who in the NFC, besides Jalen Hurts, are you taking ahead of Kirk Cousins? Nobody. He's better than all of them.
1: You know, you bring up a good point that QB lists are always subjective. You know, some people might have Kirk A. Some guys might have him 12th. But I think Mm -hmm. you hit the nail on the head there. The four guys that are ahead of him right now, the three in the AFC, obviously, in Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow, Jalen Hurts in the NFC, right? I think those are probably the only four guys that I can definitively say yes, I would take them above Kirk. Because once you get in, so like I don't know if you rank those guys below Kirk, but once you get into the Kirks, the Dax, um, everyone else below him. I know Trevor Lawrence and and Justin Herbert are emerging here, and they're probably the next class that props up in, into them. But after that, after those four guys above them that you listed, I'm with you. Like I don't think there is. Any other quarterback that I can definitively say I would trust right now to win me a game more. You no, know, will, will Trevor Lawrence potentially have a better career than Kirk Cousins? He could. Will Justin Herbert? He could. Um, but in terms of the 2022 framework right now, I don't know if I trust those guys to have the Vikings at 12 and three below him. I don't I don't think that, I don't know if Justin Herbert can do that. I don't know if Trevor Lawrence can do that. I know that from the body of work that I've seen from those teams this year, that what Kirk has done in the game-winning drives, it deserves a ton of credit, and we can we can nitpick that. Oh, but but Lawrence is the future, and Herbert are the future, and sure. and all this we can do that. That's fine. If you want to have a long-term game? That's a different conversation in terms of what has transpired in 2022 and what Kirk has delivered in those moments. I can definitively say Kirk is better than those guys right now. Absolutely.
0: And and the thing is, yeah, we're talking about right now, and right now, you mentioned Dak Prescott earlier. 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Justin Herbert, 21 and 10. Kirk Cousins, 27 and 11. And in his defense, going back to that Colts game, the two interceptions that he threw, those were both on Jalen Rieger. The first interception to where it looked like he just had a brain fart and just stopped. And then at the last second, threw his arm up, whatever. And then on the second one, he just gave up on his route. Kirk Cousins should be worst case scenario right now, 27 and 9. You look at these other quarterbacks and yeah geno smith not far off with 27 touchdowns nine interceptions you have these tom brady he's better than him who thought he would he yeah. would ever say that right now but it's one of those things to where and i understand kirk can be so annoying at times when often or every now and then he'll check down on a third and long or he misses passes to where he's looks like he's skipping rocks on a pond where just hits the foot of the receiver he can be annoying but i think Because it's so easy to just focus on that and not realizing what's happening around the rest of the league. He's a top five quarterback. And I had to look that up before we recorded this podcast as far as preparing for this show. To where I said, who would I really take? He clears everybody else. He clears the NFC North. He's better than Aaron Rodgers. He clears the NFC West, NFC South. Basically everybody except for four other quarterbacks in the league. It's crazy.
1: Uh, Randy, before we get to the defensive side uh, of of the ball here, um, anything else on offense that that stood out to you that the Vikings were able to do on on Sunday against the Giants?
0: Not specifically against the Giants, but I will say this: going back into Kirk Cousins, defending him right now, this man is putting up dope ass numbers despite getting sacked the third most yeah. in the league, forty four times. That is and, and still putting up those numbers. That's incredible as far as the toughness and the durability of Kirk Cousins. We have to now look at, okay, is this guy every single year we go through this. All right. Do you keep him? Do you go for someone else? You know, it's funny this offseason, I think this was when, okay, let's look at all the other different quarterback options out there as far as, okay, let's, let's trade for this guy or let's sign this guy and use the cap savings elsewhere that you would give to Kirk Cousins. All those quarterbacks, Right now, none of them are in the conversation as far as, okay, is your team even in the playoffs? Baker Mayfield, he's on his second team in the same year now with the L.A. Rams. And, yes, he looks good with the Rams. But, come on, they have nothing to play for. We'll see what happens when, let's say, he gets a starting job elsewhere next year. We'll see then. But Russell Wilson, that's another guy who, and I think anybody else in the league or all fan bases – across the country they would have said you know russell wilson heck yeah let's go ahead and get this guy he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league now we have to actually we went from russell wilson he's definitely going to be a hall of fame quarterback but we went from russell wilson this dude's a beast oh my god top 10 whatever to now we have to look at pete carroll and his legacy to say okay was it him all along that made him great in the first place but the interior offensive line has fell apart we thought it had promise with ed ingram Garrett Bradbury, his, he's been hurt. Austin Slotman, I he's been okay. Ezra Cleveland, he's been up and down all season long. But the fact that the offensive line has not supported the quarterback, that you know that he, as a peer pocket passer, needs taking all the hits and still standing tough in the pocket and delivering these throws and getting these wins, that's, you know what, hats off to him.
1: Hey, by the way, our crazy Canadian Cousins Crusaders Let's shout out them really quick. Uh, you can donate by going to scorenorth.com, keyword cousins. This will lead you right to the Julian Kirk Cousins Foundation page. Uh, and when you donate to the Kirk Cousins cause, mention Purple Daily, mention you heard it on Score North uh, to help out the Crazy Canadian Cousins Crusaders. Uh, we just talked up Kirk Cousins for the last 10 minutes on this show. So shout out to our friends, the Crazy Canadian Cousin Crusaders. Go to Scorenorth.com. Keyword cousins to donate to the Kirk Cousins and Julie Cousins Foundation. Randy on the defensive side of the ball, Daniel Hunter a monster day. One of his biggest games in a long, long time. Uh, three sacks, ton of pressures. He was schemed all over the field. I saw times where he was lining up as the outside linebacker. There was times he was even lining up inside on the line with a hand on the ground. Uh, it just seemed like they finally figured out the prop that the way that they utilized Daniel Hunter against the Giants is the way we've always wanted to see Daniel Hunter utilized. He had a monster day against New York.
0: We've wanted to see multiple fronts for a while, and that's what Ed Donatel propped up during this past offseason. 3-4, 4-3, you're going to see a whole bunch of everything. I'm going to throw out my whole bag, damn it. We (laughs) haven't really, really seen that. Is he back? That is the question, though. So he had, what, two sacks against the Giants. He's had, what, three and a half the last two games. What's crazy is, Any other pass rushing tandem, when you say they both have double digit sacks on the year with two games left to go, you would say, man, that's amazing. That's awesome. But I think the difference here is that, yes, Daniil Hunter, Zadari Smith, they have over 10 or above sacks each. But I think the thing is, what I'm used to seeing from Daniil Hunter on a consistent basis is, okay, even if he doesn't get a sack, sure, he'll get a sack in his heyday on a 4-3 defensive end set, But even if he doesn't get the sack, it's one of those you have to watch him every single play to where, man, he didn't get the sack, but he was right there. Oh, my goodness. It's one of those clash of the Titans situations. But the difference this year is that he'll get a sack here or there, and then he's kind of floating around the rest of the game. Against the Giants, he was everywhere. I want to say part of it is because of the extra pressure that Donatel is bringing. But I think also because you need to have a legit three-man front on the defensive line. I think having Tyrus Tonga, yeah, this man wow. is bringing it. Yeah. One of the sacks that Daniil Hunter got, Tonga was out there. I think, especially if you have just Tomlinson and, goodness, Harrison Phillips, that's great in itself, but you need that third guy. If you have a weak link on the defensive line in a 3-4 set, that's going to cause all holy hell. As long as you have a legit front, that can make things easier for your outside linebackers who, if you're going to continue that, Okay, but you need to have a defensive line that can really get after it. And now that you have Tonga out there, they're bringing more pressure. This defense is still one of the worst in the league. The fact that you gave up over three hundred plus yards to Daniel Jones, who before this game had completed goodness, averaged less than two hundred yards per game, is still something to where you say, okay, Donnell, he still needs to go. I don't know if he's back yet, Daniel Hunter. I just want to see him be more consistent. But maybe Tonga can bring that to the table to make things easier for him.
1: Here's a note that I actually was pretty surprised by. Uh, the last time the Vikings had two players with double digit sack totals in the same season, you actually have to go all the way back to 2004 when it was Kevin Williams and Lance Johnstone. Yeah. The, wow. uh, if, and they've had plenty of pass rushers to compliment Kevin. Uh, Jared Allen, Ray Edwards. But the last time they had two players with double digit and more uh, was all the way back in 2004 with Kevin Williams and Lance Johnson. Obviously, D'Neal and Zadarith Ball both have 10 sacks each. The Vikings are one of three teams currently in the NFL to have duos uh, with at least 10 sacks this season. And yeah, look, they're going to, the Vikings defense is going to give up the passing yards. That's clear. That's, that's, clear. that's how this defense is schemed for right now. Um, but if those two dudes, Zadarius, and Daniil Hunter are schemed in the correct ways. You're moving them all over the field here. I think Ed Donatel deserves some credit, and I know Kevin O'Connell was the one who probably breathing down his neck saying, dude, time to make some changes here. And I think even Mark Schleres said they met, those two met, and said, here's how I would plan against your own defense. How Here's how I, I'm Kevin O'Connell with my offense. Here's how I would attack your defense. And there was some tweaks here, and I know Danny Dimes still had like a monster day. But outside of that, there was moments in that Vikings game where you saw a defense that can have a recipe for success. You saw them pressuring the quarterback a lot, some key turnovers uh, that were made obviously from Patrick Peterson, and then Duke Shelley continues to play really, really well out of nowhere. Obviously, you just mentioned Tonga, um, and to go back to Quasey kind of whiffing on draft picks here, uh, or at least early on, or the drill still being out on them, he found two really good claims and trades in Tonga and Duke Shelley who have all of a sudden turned into really good players for the Vikings.
0: And that's the thing. I after that draft, I was so down on Quasi Adolfo Menta, but I do have to give him credit as far as the acquisitions he's made since then. Duke Shelley, Tonga, the trade for TJ Hawkinson, those have been key players to the Vikings success up to this point. Patrick Peterson, I love the fact that he was getting roasted early on by Hodgins. But the fact that he got that interception to get the last laugh on the receiver, I said to myself, good for you. We need to see more of that. But I think the thing is, going back to Donatel, is that yes, Daniil Hunter and Zadari Smith, they each have over 10 sacks on the year, but we could see more from them. What we saw on the Giants game or from the Colts game, especially from Daniel Hunter, you can see that more consistently. These are two guys who, at their very best, they can easily combine, get you close to 30 sacks. Now, goodness, unless they get another five sacks, goodness, the next two games to end the season. I don't think that's going to happen. Obviously, it's not, but The point is you can see more from them. And specifically, as far as what we need to see from defense, you're going up against the Packers this week, week 17. They're a little bit hot right now. Christian Watson is a lot better than what we saw in week one, where he had the clear drop for what would have been a touchdown. He's a lot better now. How is the defense going to respond this time at Lambeau Field? Because they're playing to inch their way into the playoffs. They need a lot of help as well, but the defense needs to be on point. Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, them two alone, which is crazy to think about, Culpepper, Randy Moss, to where they carried the teams when I became a fan. They can do enough to get you another victory. They've shown that up to this point, but you need to see more consistency from this defense.
1: Let's get into the Vikings-Packers game, obviously, this Sunday at Lambeau Field here, Randy. Uh, Obviously, the Packers now have won a few games. They put themselves back in playoff contention to a degree. They still kind of control their destiny. Uh, and right now the Vikings are underdogs against a Packers team that has five wins less than the Vikings. So uh, the weather looks like actually it, it, it'll be decent for Green Bay standards, I think like in the in the early or in the low 30s, excuse me, so not a lot of uh, freezing cold, but still you're going outside and you're going to be playing a football game in Lambeau Field in January. Uh, when the Vikings are going into this Packers game, is, is this the end? Is this the end of the Aaron Rodgers Lead little comeback here. Are they going to put the nail in the coffin and basically bury the Green Bay Packers? Will the Vikings still have their hands full um, with this Green Bay Packers team who's playing better? What are your thoughts going into this game?
0: I think they should win this game. The thing is about this Vikings team too, I think they're going to win. But the thing is about this Vikings team is that they can literally smash anybody. They can also get smashed by anybody as well. This team, the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field, it's going to be cold. They're going to rely on their run game. They like to go to the outlet passes, Aaron Jones. You also got A.J. Dillon as well. You have to really control the run. So what we saw last week, last Saturday, Saquon Barkley and the Giants, not great. And he had, what, 14 carries for a little over 80 yards and that touchdown to tie the game 24-all. They are really going to go nose-to-nose as far as bruising style with their running backs, you have to be able to stop them. So as long as you can get pressure up front, and basically, I can't believe I'm saying this, but force Aaron Rodgers, he's not the same quarterback. He's not the same MVP-caliber quarterback he was last year. Force Aaron Rodgers to beat you with his arm you're going to give yourselves a chance. Now, being at Green Bay, it's a tough environment. I get all that, but this team is much better than Green Bay is right now.
1: It is pretty wild because I think if the Packers run the ball effectively with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, that that that, that, that Vikings defense is going to get gashed. Now, if they can figure out a way to stop that run, and do, to your point, for maybe the first time ever, make Aaron Rodgers pass the ball, which is hilarious, but with, with his... Frustrations with receivers and code words and all this weird wacky stuff. I mean, there was a. I was watching obviously the Christmas Day game against the Dolphins, and I believe Dylan fumbled near the near the goal line. They were able to recover the ball; it was fine. But you just saw how pissed Aaron Rodgers was at AJ Dylan for not corralling that football. His frustration is at a high level, and I get it. Uh, Rodgers has had an up and down year. He has this team potentially now backdooring themselves into the into the playoffs by the, by stringing together a few wins here. But it would be great for the Vikings' sake, that you started off this season in your most convincing win at home by beating the Packers for your most convincing win all year, and now you have a chance here with Green Bay stumbling after the first two months of the season, now they're playing a bit better, to basically bury their playoff hopes and end, honestly, potentially, the Aaron Rodgers tenure in in Green Bay. I mean, think about that, too. I know Rodgers got a Super Bowl, and they've had some playoff utility here of a few years in NFC Championship games, but it could be the Vikings, that are the final nail in the coffin of Aaron Rodgers' tenure uh, in Green Bay. And I find that fascinating.
0: You know, I watched that game as well, Packers-Dolphins. And what's interesting is this opened my eyes to one main thing. It's crazy how stats can really cover up a lot of mishaps. To a Tiger Valoa. This meant, first off, the Packers barely beat the Dolphins' final score 26-20. to But, you see Tua's stats overall for the year. I mean, my goodness, he's thrown for almost 3,600 yards, 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions. On the surface, that looks great. He was terrible against the Packers. He yeah. threw three interceptions, most, at least two of them, maybe all three, but at least two of them were where a receiver wasn't even in sight. He just threw it straight to the yeah. Packers defender. And because it's easy, I think based off of what I saw to where I'm like, this is who Tua really is. If they're not running the ball in Miami, he's throwing to either Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell. That's it. So, what I would say, based off of seeing just that, Kirk Cousins, be better, be less predictable than Tua. And I think he'll do that for sure. If that is the case, the Vikings, they should absolutely win this game because he will spread the ball around, and the fact that they barely beat them 26-20 to 20 is, alright man, listen, your playoff hopes, they're still alive right now, but the Vikings, they should absolutely end it next week.
1: Got one more question for you here before we wrap up on uh, Realistic Randy Rance, with a shout out to Park Tavern, the uh, sports bar of the sports dad, Judd Zolgad, located off three ninety off off Louisiana Avenue and Minnetonka Boulevard there in St. Louis Park. Go check them out for events, go check them out, they're open 365 days a year. Uh, great spot to grab a cold one, or grab some wings as well, go check out Park Tavern in st louis park uh all right realistic randy let me let me paint a picture here uh let's say the vikings beat the packers and the niners indeed hold off uh, the raiders they win their both respective games the vikings go into the final week of the season one game up on san francisco but they'd have to stay one game up because if these two teams tie then that means uh the 49ers will get the two seed vikings fall down due to conference record and whatnot so If the Vikings have to play, uh, have to go into that Chicago game. Well, do they have to play their starters for all four quarters? Like, is that is that the path here, or is there a plan too where maybe you get up early and get the backups in? But unless unless San Francisco stumbles against the Raiders, which I would be surprised by, but if that happens, that's the only path where I see the final game of the regular season being a Nick Mullins and every backup possible game Uh, because playing on Soldier Field in late January on that GD turf. That late in the season with injuries potentially uh, lingering into the wild card weekend, I don't want any of that smoke. But I will probably be doing some scoreboard watching in the Niners and Raiders game because it has humongous implications on how the Vikings could potentially rest their starters for a week from now in Chicago.
0: Well, the thing is, it depends on if you have a good enough lead going into the fourth quarter against Chicago. You're going to have to play your starters for the rest of the season, just about. For If you're the Minnesota Vikings, not only because of the 49ers, they're breathing down your necks for that two seed. But also, I know this is a bit far-fetched, so trying to hold on to that two seed, but also don't look now. Yeah. But Jalen Hurts, possibly in doubt for next week, going up against the New Orleans Saints. They just lost to the Dallas Cowboys 40-34 to for that one seed. So the Vikings, whether it's to hold on to the two seed or possibly get the one seed, I think you're gonna have to play it all the way through, even all four quarters against the Chicago Bears.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love for the Vikes to rest their starters. Uh here's another actually scenario for you. Let's hmm. say uh the Niners lose and the Vikings win this week, and JJ doesn't have the record for the NFL receiving yard record, but he has, you know, a, a big game against Green Bay. I think he needs 244 right by the end of the regular season to beat Megatron. So let's say on Sunday against the Packers, he goes for like a buck fifty, a buck sixty. And then he only needs, you know, 80, 90 yards potentially to break the record. Do you put Justin Jefferson out there to break the record? Or you just say, hey, dude, rest up and get ready for wildcard weekend?
0: I know <laughs> this is going to be bad, and it's going to sound like I'm not a Vikings fan and whatever, but honestly, I would rest Justin Jefferson. I'd love the record to be broken. I would absolutely love to see it, but this is still the game of football. It is a violent sport. And you remember, what was this? This was against the Colts. 33 nothing came back, largest comeback in NFL history against the Colts. At one point, Jefferson was on the ground, right? Yeah. Just, just laying flat oh, over God. and I just said, oh, my goodness. we, <laughs> ooh, this is." T-. And luckily, he came back in the game shortly after that. This is still a game where every play he's out there, there's a risk. So if he's going to be out there, your best players, if they're going to be out there, there needs to be something valuable to gain. Now, I know one could make the argument, well, it's a record. That's super valuable to gain, but – as far as team accomplishment, if you've already got the 2 C locked up and the one C Philadelphia, all they need to do is win one more game and it's over with for them, then no, I wouldn't I wouldn't play Jefferson. No, I okay. wouldn't, even for the record.
1: All right, uh, that'll do it for Realistic Randy Rants on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Obviously, we'll be back here next Monday to recap the Vikings and Packers game, and we'll figure out if uh, the Vikings are resting starters or they have to indeed play up a game to stay ahead of the 49ers, and we're getting closer to playoff preview time too, so... Fun stuff happening uh, here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button for daily Minnesota Vikings entertainment. This has been Realistic Randy Rants. We'll be back at you next week.